your Bibles, please go uh, to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, there's going to be a Bible right in front of you. And also we'll be looking at the scriptures on the screen. And so uh, Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. So Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11, says this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where, where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. May God bless his word. And so we are continuing a series called Encounters with Jesus. And we've been talking about, about the different encounters that Jesus had in the New Testament with different people. And here's some of the assumptions that, that I would make, at least if I was thinking about who the Messiah would want to encounter. I would assume that Jesus would want to hang out with people who had it all together, right? People who had their finances together, people who had great marriages, people who had disciplined kids, uh, people who never cussed, people who never sped in the freeway. Anyone? Just me? Okay, sorry. Um, so, but, but, when you, but you realize that one of the top criticisms of Jesus was this. He welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus welcomes, they're like, that man, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. It's what Jesus would do. And so when I think about who Jesus would spend his time with, I think about our church as well. Now, you may have noticed that as a church, we're in a pretty good season. We had last, I, told, I talked to you about the numbers that we had uh, for Easter, and then last week we had another record attendance. We had 267 people come to church last Sunday, and that's, that's you can, yes. And that's just on a regular Sunday. And so for us, that's a really high number. But here's the trap that I can fall into. I can assume that the measure of the success of a church is in numbers. Like I've literally, I've literally said this before. How was church Sunday? Great. It was packed. Okay. Is that the measure of success of a church? Like how do we measure the success of a church. People can look at a church and they can say, wow, look at their numbers. Wow, look at their programs. Wow, look at their budget. Wow, look at their facilities. But do you know what I want this church to be known for? I said it last Sunday and I'll say it again. Look at that church. At that church, at DFCC, they welcome sinners and they eat with them. You know why? Because Jesus welcomed sinners and ate with them. Amen. So if you are here, and you are a sinner, this message is for you. And it's for me as well. And if for some reason you think that this message series is not for you because you've got your life pretty together, ask your spouse, or maybe you need to look a little bit deeper, okay? So today I'm going to talk about the 10 lepers, this encounter that Jesus has with the 10 lepers. And I want to start off by saying this. We are in a pandemic of anxiety and depression. If you haven't noticed, it's a pandemic of anxiety and depression. It is off the charts. 132 suicides every day 
in America, especially the younger generation. Have you ever asked a younger generation, how are you doing? What are they going to answer? I'm tired. How are you doing? I'm tired. Okay, so my assumption is if you're tired, that's because you have been slaving away all day and you are exhausted. No. What have you done all day? Huh, just chilling. What, how do you feel? I'm tired. I'm tired. And we, we may laugh about that, and I'm not a psychologist, but I don't, I don't think that's being tired. I think that's depression. I think that's being depressed because I'm not talking about people who don't have their basic needs met. I'm talking about people who have plenty of food, who have plenty of water, who have shelter. I'm talking about kids who have cell phones, new clothes, entertainment, friends, opportunities. I'm talking about the half of the world that is blessed. And I think it's true for adults as well. I just think we're better at hiding it. I don't know, maybe you're here and you feel this way or you have someone in your life that feels this way, and, and you, you see that they're in this funk and they can't get out of it. Well, you're not alone. The assumption is that stress, depression, anxiety are a result of hard work. It's not. It's not excess work, but rather lack of purpose and direction. You can be exhausted at the end of the day, and you can feel great because you're motivated. Man, I got something going on, right? It's not what it is. It's when you're lost. Have you ever walked into a room happens to be more as I get older. Walk into a room, okay, here, and then you're in that room, like you're in the kitchen, and you're like, why did I come here? Like, I'm here, but I know, I know I came in here for a reason, but I just can't remember why I'm here. And so you're just standing there for a little bit, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, because I know if I leave the room, then it's going to come back to me, right? So you're just kind of standing there. I think that same thing is true when it comes to life for many people. Like, you know you're here, like, you know you're in this world, but you're looking around, you're like, I know I'm here, but I don't know why I'm here. What is this thing all about? This is, this is how some of you may feel in life, even as you come to church every Sunday. You see, if you don't have the basic questions answered of who you are or why you, hear, why you are here in this world, then it is very hard to find a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Some of you guys here, maybe you're here, maybe you have people that you know that are going through this. The only motivation that you have in life is to find a way to ease the pain. Life is just painful all the time, all the time. That's why you drink. That's why you take drugs. That's why you try to find relief in sex, in food, in cutting, in social media, and hey, by the way, also in religion. You see... You want to numb it with something. And the problem is that you are left off worse at the end of the day because of the law of diminishing return. The more you do it, the more you need to do in order to feel the way you felt at the beginning. So at the end of the day, you're feeling worse than ever. And so I hope to help you, if this is you, to break that cycle. And so you can find hope. So I believe that this, uh, this story of Jesus with the ten lepers will help you. And not only this story, but every single Sunday, my goal is for you to be able to find hope in Jesus. That's why we do this here. Because life without Christ is just a tragedy, right? Amen. All right. So my hope is that you will walk away feeling relieved. Like what Matthew 11 says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you what? More work to do, right? No. Rest, right? Yes. Rest. All right, so the 10 lepers, 
Here's the story. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, right? He was, he, was, he was making his way to Jerusalem where he would be crucified. That's the direction that he was going to. And then he, he's going to walk into a village, and 10 lepers are standing at a distance from Jesus. Okay, 10 lepers, they were standing at a distance from Jesus. Question, why were they standing at a distance from Jesus? Well, they were standing at a distance from Jesus because if you were a leper in Jesus' time, you had to leave your home and you had to leave your family. If you were a leper in Jesus' time, you had to live together with others who were suffering from the same disease on the outskirts of the town. If you were a leper living in the time of Jesus, you had to scavenge for food. If you were a leper in the time of Jesus, you were forbidden to have contact with other people and you had to have a bell that you would ring and you had to scream out in a loud voice, leper, 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 so that people would know that they could not come in contact with you. These lepers were outcasts. They were outsiders. The lepers were second-class citizens. Isn't that true for, for many people? Jesus, you would say, some people would say this, Jesus would never want to have anything to do with me. I have to stand at a distance from Jesus because of my sin, because of my lust, because of my addictions, because of what I did last week, because of what I did today. Many make the same assumption that the lepers made. I am sick. I have to stand at a distance. Lepers would say, okay, we can hang out with other lepers because we're all sick, so we can hang out together, right? That was, that was the law, you know? And the lepers would welcome other lepers because they were all lepers and they could be together, but they could not hang out with people who were, uh, who were healthy because they would infect those who were healthy. Brothers and sisters, isn't this an image of the world? You see, the world will accept other sinners, because they know that, hey, we're just the same. We're going to hang out together, right? But they will look at Christians, and many will stand at a distance from Christians. Or worse, it will be us that will keep them at arm's length, lest we get infected by their disease that we don't have. I've heard this said before. So many times I've heard this said from people that I'll talk about church, inviting them to church. They're like... I need to get my act together before I come into church. Like, I, let me just get my life in order. A lot, a lot of things that I have to resolve. Then I will come to church. And here's why. Because there's an assumption that I, that I grew up with, by the, by the way. And there's an assumption that you may have as well. And this is the assumption. There's us, and then there's them. So there's us right here in this space, followers of Jesus. And then there's the outsiders that are over there. I remember this story as a little boy. I must have been like eight years old, and I was uh, hanging out with one of the elders in our church, and I remember going outside and playing with this kid, and this, this kid had a potty mouth, like he was just cussing up a storm, you know, and the elder came out and saw this kid that was playing with me, and he wasn't, he wasn't allowing it. He didn't allow it. He was like, you, he told, he confronted the little boy. I still remember that he confronted the little boy and he said, you go home. There is, there is he's, he's like, Josh is not going to, to play with you. We don't associate with little boys that have that sort of language. So you need to leave right now. Um, basically, you're an outsider. 
And this little boy, he's an insider. Unless you clean up your act, you two cannot hang out together. Um, you need to stand at a distance. He thought he was protecting me from the world. And I get it. But we do this in church too. There's us and then there's them. It's an us versus them mentality. There are those who are in and there are those who are out. There are those who are righteous and then there are those who are unrighteous. There are those who are the good people and then there are those who are the bad people. There are those who qualify and there are those who are disqualified. See, we have this twisted idea that, that, that we have to keep sinners at a distance lest we get contaminated and end up like them. I grew up hearing this. We have to be, we're different than the world. Mm. As Christians, woo, we're different than the world. We are different than the world. And I thought that that meant that we behave better than the world. As Christians, we behave better than the world. And I'm like, okay, that was my assumption. And honestly, I think that we get confused as to what the real difference is between, between us and the world, which is why we get stuck sometimes with this dilemma. Have you ever heard this before? Dude, I know Christians that, I don't, I'm sorry, I know non-Christians that are better Christians than those who claim to be Christians. Have you ever heard that before? Okay, what's the answer to that? Oh, no, no, that's impossible. No, you had an encounter with Jesus. Like, you're gonna, you, you are a better person than those who have not encountered Jesus. You are better behaved. You're be, like, you're a better person because you had an encounter with Jesus. And my answer to that is no, actually, no. That is very possible. It is very, very possible. You see, we don't know what makes us different. That We get confused with that. We think that the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is our transformation as opposed to theirs. That's where we get confused. We think that the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is that that life has been transformed and this one has not been transformed. This is a better person than this person, okay, as far as their behavior goes, okay? It's not. Let me ask you a question. Imagine you had a device over your head. Everyone had a device over their head that showed every single thought that you had at every moment, and I could read that, and you could read mine too. Okay, if you, if you read every single thought that I had at every moment, you probably would be very uncomfortable with me standing on this stage and preaching to you. In fact, if I knew every thought that you had at every moment, I probably wouldn't want to share a room with you. Okay? So let's just be honest here. You see... We laugh because it's true. But the difference between us, here's the difference between us and the world. The difference between us and the world isn't our transformation. It's not that. But it's Christ's substitution, which means that he is the one that makes us qualify. You see, it's not about how good we are. It's about how, how good Christ was to die for our sins on the cross. It's not a matter of how much better we are than the world. 
It's a matter of we put our faith in someone that was so good that allows for us to be in his presence. That's the only difference, which makes us better than no one. We just put our faith in one who is better than everyone. As a church, we need to grasp this. We have to grasp this. You know, you see, the church should never be a, a spiritual, listen to this, the church should never be a spiritual gym where healthy people gather to flex their muscles, their muscles of righteousness, right? But a hospital where sick people need a doctor. But as a church, we're known to not be very good at this. Not specifically this church. I'm talking about the church in general. Let me ask you this. If you were ever to mess up, like big time, like you mess up big time, like publicly, you mess up, like a, like a big mess up, like a sexual sin, theft, gambling, an ugly divorce, or like something, or something much, much bigger. If you, were, if you were to mess up big time, let me ask you this question. Is the church the first place that you would run to? You see, I've seen many, so many people mess up big time. I've seen this a lot, mess up big time. And then you cut to people in the church being the first to turn their backs on them. How could he? Oh, how could she? Like, they call themselves Christian. We talk so much about forgiveness of sin. We talk so much about grace. But when someone messes up royally, hey, I'm not touching that leper. You have to stand at a distance. That's why they turn their back on the church and they turn to the world. Because they will accept them just as they are. Brothers and sisters, I don't want to be a church where sinners have to stand at a distance. I don't want to be that church. Because Jesus never did. I want to be a church that, like Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. And eats with them. One thing is to welcome sinners. Hey, we welcome sinners. Like every Sunday, hey, welcome. Thank you for being here. Everyone welcome, everyone welcome. That's great. Eating with them is a different level. Eating with them is a different level, especially in the culture that they're referring to. Having a meal with someone, is a, there's intimacy, there's dialogue, there's, there's acceptance, there's conversation, there's love. That's what that means. Jesus is constantly breaking down this divide. You and I many times are under the illusion that there are the healthy, which is us, there are the unhealthy, which are the outsiders, this is the idea that Jesus was constantly trying to break. I said this a few Sundays ago. Here's the difference. There are the sick people who know they're sick, and then there are the sick people who think they're healthy. That's it. We're all sick. We're all in need of a Savior. And you and I will never develop a heart for the lost until we discover that the difference is not our transformation, but it is Christ's substitution. Okay. And that's you and me. Whether you're here for the first time or you've been part of this church for the last 50 years, and you may push back and you may say, hey, pastor, I, know, I don't know, man, because I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. And I get it. Like, you feel like you're doing pretty good. 
I don't smoke, I don't cuss, you know, I'm faithful to my wife, etc., etc., etc. Great. That's great. But I guarantee you, there's some new stuff in your life that you're like, whoa, where did that come from? In my life, there's things that I've worked through, and I'm doing so much better now. Others, I'm saying as a Christian, I'm still in square one. And then there's other new things in my life that I'm like, why does that start to bother me now? But I'm encouraged because the Apostle Paul says it himself in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says, this is very late in his ministry. He says, I am the, I am the worst sinner that I know. He says, I am the chief of sinners. In fact, if the most sinful person you know is not yourself, then maybe you're not looking hard enough. You see, the point is that what separates us from the world is not that they are sinners and we are not, but that we have a Savior who paid it all in whom we put our trust in. That's it. And you will never, you and I will never develop a true heart for the lost if we think that somehow we are superior than the rest. The only thing that makes us different is Christ and what he did for us, not what we try to show that we could do. So I'm going to end with this. Um, so Jesus approaches the 10 lepers, right? He, he approaches them and he says to them, you know, because they're like, help us, help us, right? And he comes to them and he says, show yourselves to the priests, which meant you know, the priests were the ones that would determine whether or not the person had been healed or not. He's actually had leprosy or doesn't have leprosy. And, and as they went, they were, they were cleansed, which is really interesting because this is a miracle that Jesus does that's different than the other miracles. It wasn't just like, boom, you're healed. He's like, no, go show yourself. And then it says that as they went, they, they were cleansed. And so what that makes me think of is that maybe in your life, you're praying for a miracle. And God is not inviting you into, he's not going to solve your situation right away, but he's inviting you into a process. And then as you go, there's maybe things that you need to do, and he will begin to show himself to you along the way. Now, that's a side note. Question, how many lepers were cleansed? Ten. How many came back? One. What did this one guy do when he saw that he was cleansed? He came back, he was, and he praised God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. This is what I want you to see today. You see, they were all healed. All of them were healed. Not just the good ones, not just the ones that had their finances in order, not just the ones that had perfect marriages, not just the ones who had disciplined kids, not just the ones who never cussed, not just the ones who never sped on the freeway. All of them. He cleansed all of them. The same is true for humanity. John 2, 2 says this, probably 1 John 2, 2 says this, He, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Here's the point I want to make. Salvation and healing has made available through Jesus for everyone. In the same way that we are all dead in our transgressions and sins like the lepers, Salvation is also made available to everyone. You see, Jesus came for everyone, for everyone. But not everyone comes to Jesus. He made salvation available to all. 
In verse 17, Jesus asks, we're not all 10 cleansed? Jesus is saying, didn't I, didn't I die for the sins of the world? How many came back? Where are the other nine? So which are you? Which are you? Salvation has been available to everyone. Which are you? Are you the one or are you part of the nine? Do you know people in your life that are part of the nine? So here's what I want to do. I want us to close off. We're gonna, I'm going to pray here. I'm going to ask you if you could just close your eyes for a minute. We could uh, um, bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to say a few things and then we're going to pray. Because maybe you're here today and, and you've had this misconception of, about us versus them. Like there's us and then there's them and there's this sort of rivalry between the church and the world. Maybe today you want to begin to be a person who, who welcomes sinners and eats with them. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've felt that all your life you're just not good enough. You felt all your life like a leper that has to stand at a distance from Jesus. And let me tell you this today. The sins that you can't forget, those sins that won't let you sleep at night, those sins that you feel like you're carrying all day long, those sins that you can't forget, God chooses not to remember. Maybe you're here today and you need to come to Jesus. You need to receive forgiveness. You need to receive healing. You need to receive hope. You need to receive love. You need to receive acceptance. Maybe this is your day today. So if you want to receive Jesus and you want to come to Jesus like the one leper and fall on your knees before him and thank him, for the salvation that he's made available to you. You want to give your life to Jesus this morning. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand real quick and put it right back down. Just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Over here too. God bless you. So Lord God, we thank you for all these hands that were raised. Thank you, God, because you made a salvation available to all of us. These hands that were raised represent those who want to come back to you. And thank you for the salvation that you've made available to everyone. So we thank you for this, Lord God. I also pray for everyone who's here and for those who aren't here as well, that you will bless them, that you'll keep them safe and healthy. And we thank you for these moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.